I'm excited about having young people uh, in here with us as well. In last service, there's not as many young people as there are in this service, but, but I, I was excited and have been anticipating uh, what, God, what God did and what God wants to do in the lives of the young people in this church, uh, but also the community and, and around the world. Uh, they are excited, they are energetic, and they can, they can get some things done. And uh, we need that in this world today. So we're going to talk a little bit about God being an equal opportunity God in living your dream. You're going to live a dream. God's going to give you a dream. He's given each one of us a purpose. He's given each one of us a plan. And it's what we do with that that determines the outcome. For those of you who went to acquire the fire and God began to pour something into your life and he began to speak some things to you, what will you do with that thing that he said? Don't forget what he said. Write it down. Don't let it go. Continue to ask him. Continue to seek his face. Continue to praise. Continue to worship. Continue to be a difference maker in your life. In Matthew chapter 25, it's the parable of the talents. And this is where I come from or where I talk about this idea that God is a, an equal opportunity God. In verse 14 of Matthew chapter 25, it says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants to him and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, and to another he gave two And to another he gave one. And then the next phrase is important. To each according to his own ability. To each according to his own ability. That God is an equal opportunity gone. These guys all had equal opportunity to act, to move in, to use what they were given. Five talents, two talents, one talent. You can't cry because you got one talent. It says that God has given you what you can deal with today and that we expect you know that if i have one i should have five because that's not fair i'm telling you fair went out to the garden of eden life isn't fair it says god gives you and and pours into your life talent and gifts and opportunities that he may not pour into somebody else's life but know this and understand this he knows if you're 16 17 18 25 35 85 whatever age you are he knows the gifts and talents and the call that he's put on your life and it is without repentance which means i'm telling you it is still there even if you've gone the wrong direction in this story the guy who had five used his five and got ten the guy who had two used his two and got four But the guy who had one and chose not to use his talent ended up with none. The five guy and the two guy ended up with ten and four. And he said, well done, my good and faithful servants. Enter into the joy of the Lord. They were all given the same thing. All had the same, or they're all given the same opportunity. They all had something that was given to them. Two of them used those gifts and one of them didn't. It didn't turn out so well for the one who didn't. God is an equal opportunity God who gives each one of us access to his equal opportunity of abundant life. It's for you and it's for me. And understand and know this, what God has gifted you to do, he has not gifted her to do. And what he has gifted you to do, he has not gifted me to do. That we all work together as the body does. Some of you are hands, some of you are feet, some of you are ears, and some of you are eyes. We have to have every piece and every part working together for the body to function correctly. And in your life, whatever God has placed on the inside of you, you need to use it. You need need to use the gifts, use the talents that he's given you. If he has put a dream and a vision in your heart, then you need to continue to go after it. Relentless pursuit of what God has you in this earth to do. 
He's taught us the word. We've all had the word poured out into our life. Mark chapter 4 talks about the sower sowing the word. And each one of these different instances, and we're not going to read these verses, it's 15 through 20. Mark 4, 15 through 20. You can go home and you can read those as you go back. And many of you know the story of the different outcomes of the seed that was planted. It was the same seed. It says the sower sows the word. And in these different people's lives, there were different outcomes according to what they did with the word that was sown. Equal opportunity. You may be here and you may not have any money and you may not live in, 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 in hardly anything and you may just barely be making it. I'm telling you, God is an equal opportunity God. And you can't look down the street at the person who has tons of money or has a mansion or all those things and say, I wish I was him. You are who God created you to be. I'm not saying he made you poor, but I am telling you, he can make you rich. He is an equal opportunity, God, if you'll use what he has given you. Well, I don't have anything. Well, God gives seed to the sower. That's verse 10 that we were talking about in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. He gives seed to the sower. He will pour into your life what you have need of. Don't get your eyes on somebody else's stuff and somebody else's thing. In Mark in chapter 4, you get to pick, I get to pick. What are we going to do with the word that's planted in our heart? This is important. Ephesians 2.10. You and I, no matter the age, sometimes the young and the old try to worm their way out of some of this. We think that, 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 the, that the, the, the message of the gospel being lived in this earth and, and being, being fruitful in this earth is for those, those middle-aged people. Once you get out of school and, and before you retire, like that's the age when you... No, 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 no. It doesn't say in the Word anywhere that you, that you stop experiencing the fulfillment and the fullness of God's life. If it's for all of us, each one of us. And each one of us has been created, it says here in, in verse 10, for good works. It says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that you or I should walk in them. That there is a plan, there are steps, there are gifts and talents on the inside of you. There are things that God is preparing way out here in the future. It says he knew these things beforehand. Before you were a gleam in your great, 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 great grandpa's eye, God already knew what he was going to place and put in your life. You may have seen some of the things come to fruition, but I'm telling you, there are other things in there that you might not know about. The Holy Spirit's going to bring them out in your life. He's going to put you and plant you in situations where they come forth. All about him and not about you. Just about when you figure out that you can do it on your own, he will begin to move you into a new place where you can't because you have to rely on him. It says in Ephesians 2.10 that we're his workmanship created for, say, great works, great works that we should walk in. So that means you and I have a choice. Equal opportunity God. He didn't say some people were created for good works. He didn't say some people were created for little works. He said we're all created for good works. That you, wherever you come from, whatever your history, whatever your past, whatever you're going through right now, he has created you for a great work. And I'll tell you, this great work progresses. It's not always one thing for the rest of your life. This great work that he has for you begins to morph and to mold from place to place and from situation to situation as he leads you and he guides you in your life. How many of you started doing something, but God has moved you into something else? I mean, that's, that's the way sometimes it rolls. 
and you never thought you could do it, and you never thought it would change, and you always thought it would be this way, but God's taking you in another direction, in another season in your life, and all of a sudden, it's just as terrifying as the last one. But as you move and as you start to go into this direction, the Spirit of God begins to empower you to live like you lived before. Your faith level begins to rise, and what God has planted on the inside of you in this new opportunity, this new season, or this new place begins to spring forth. It may not be what you thought you would do. It may not be what you like to do. It may be something completely different. But I'll tell you this. Great works, God has created you for great works. Great works bring people into the kingdom. It's not great works that you're going to invent some cure for cancer. It's great works that you do in your life that bring people into the kingdom of God. Well, how do you know that and why do you say that? Because it says in Matthew chapter 5 that men will see your what? Your good works. And it will turn them or bring them into the kingdom. That it will turn them toward you so that you can point them to who? Jesus. You better be doing and living and experiencing good works. What's good work for you? What's a great work for you? They're different. He gave five, two, and one according to their ability. And as you mature in Christ and as you grow in him, he's going to have things for you. And as you grow, things get different. That's life. That's the way it goes. The one thing you can always count on is change. In Joel chapter 2, we'll read this passage of Scripture, and it's in verses 28 and 29. And Joel was prophesying, and he said, It shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my Spirit on how much flesh? All. Equal opportunity. With the talents, he gave them equal opportunity to use them. With the word you've been given, you have equal opportunity, just like the person next to you, to live it and to use it in your life. We have all been created for good works, and if we we walk in him, we will see them happen. We've all got equal opportunity. And here, Joel says, and later Peter reiterates in Acts chapter 2, that it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, your young men will see visions, and also on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. The world needs visionaries. The world needs dreamers. What God placed in your heart, if you were a young person who was at that place this weekend, God needs that to come into fruition in this world. He has placed gifts and talents in you. There are people who are attached to those gifts and those talents. There are people who are attached to you going out and fulfilling the call that God has for you in your life, whether that calls to be a dentist, whether the calls to be a doctor, whether it's to be a preacher, whether it's to be a teacher. It doesn't matter. It says God will provide an abundance for that great or good work in your life. Trust God and know that he is pouring out his spirit on young and old. This one says young men, young women, old men. It even says maidservants and men servants. Even the people who aren't with everything, the ones who are a little bit behind, who are working in this particular process, he's pouring it out on them too. He pours it out on all flesh. What that does in your life, if you'll be open to it, we say, well, I haven't heard God. I don't know what God's saying. I'm telling you, what this does in your life, if you're open to him pouring this in, it will absolutely turn your life upside down. It will help you make the right decisions in your life because you will grab hold of what God is speaking to you and showing you. You grab hold of that dream and that vision and you don't let go. Then the decisions that you make as you go forward in that either line up with the direction that he has told you or they don't. 
holding on and grabbing hold of this vision or this dream that God is pouring out in your life, grabbing hold of that seed and taking it into your life helps you make the decisions that will absolutely transform your existence here in this world. Turns it upside down. You say, well, God has told me some things and I've never seen them come true. Well, this particular passage of Scripture that Joel was talking about was reiterated by Peter in Acts chapter 2, 800 years later. Joel said it, and then 800 years later, Peter stood up and said, this is that which Joel said. I'm telling you, the seed is planted. It's, it's got it's to come up. It's got to come up. There is due season to the seed that God's planted in your heart. Don't go home and in a week get upset and get freaked out and frustrated because God hasn't done what he told you he would do this weekend. Understand and know he may do it in a week, he may do it in a year, and you may see everything that God has for you in 10 years. But know this, great works, good things. And as you go on that 10-year journey, don't you worry. He'll provide for you every day of that 10-year journey something for you to do and somebody for you to take care of. That's what he does. Great works. I don't know how many of you got a, got, a, got a desire or got an unction or got a dream or a vision about what you could become or what you might be, and it freaked you right out because it's completely different than what you thought. I'm telling you, God speaks to you things. You know it. You're standing in his presence. The love of God, it begins to get you. Your heart begins to beat real hard. I'm telling you, God's calling you, bringing you into something. Hang on. Hang on. It may not happen tomorrow, but it's going to happen. Abraham and, Abraham and Sarah waited 30 years for Isaac. Now get this, because they, you, if you're older and you've been around here a while and you haven't seen all the things God's promised you and they've started to die on the inside of you, I'm telling you, God can wake up the dead thing on the inside of you when it's due season. But you have to be in faith. They, they were dead in their bodies. It says they were so old that they could not have kids, that their reproductive parts, and we got young people, so that's all we'll do. They were so dead that they could not have kids anymore. I know the Peters, they have like 42 kids, and it doesn't seem like that could happen in their house. But, but there came a day, see, where this promise that God made, this dream that God gave Abraham, this vision that he told him and showed him as he took him out and said all the stars, there came a day where that had to come to fruition. And for it to come to fruition, their bodies had to come alive. The thing that was on the inside of them had to come alive for them to have a baby. And it did. God has a dream. He has a vision for you. He has plans for you. He has a future for you. We're going to talk about living the dream and the things that we do in our life that help us not just live it, but find out what it is. Find out what's going on. Find out how we can make it to the next place or the next step. In your life, you'll plant a dream in your heart, and it kind of runs in a little bit of a pattern for you. He begins to give you this, this unction, this cause, this burden in your heart for something. I know when you're there and you're at Acquire the Fire, and I know if you're a little older, I'm talking more to the, these young people. As you're there and you're seeing all those things on the screen of the young people around the world, the ones who are starving or the ones who are orphans or whatever they showed, if you see those things about missions, if you see that doesn't mean you're going to the mission field, it just means you might be a missionary. Because this, this Indiana is a mission field just as much as it is in India. But listen, as he begins to pour those things out, he begins to open up that door and he begins to show you those things. A burden comes in your heart. There's this thing that says, I, I don't know why, I don't know how, I don't know what, but God, I, I mean, this thing, it's just pulling me. It's urging me. It's bringing me. He's starting to drop a dream. He's starting to drop a vision. He's starting to place something on the inside of you. And it starts with a burden on the inside. It's bigger than you and it brings people into the kingdom. 
and you don't know why because you've always hated this particular thing, but for some reason today, that seems like the greatest thing in the world, and you cry every time you talk about it, and you don't know why I cry when I say save the polar bears. I don't know what's wrong with the polar bears, but it's just something on the inside of me that I cry every time they talk about it. That's a burden. Don't go save the polar bears. They're all right. Is it Jace, the duck man? He said the trees don't need hugging. <laughs> That's what he said. Anyway, God will put a burden in your heart. And that burden then begins to become the dream and the vision that God has given you. A couple years ago, we went through Matthew Barnett's book, The Cause Within You. Talking about that thing that's on the inside of you that maybe nobody else knows about. Maybe you've never told anybody, but it's on the inside of you. Maybe God told you this weekend if you were there. Maybe God's told you last week, last month. Maybe today God pours something into your heart. You didn't know that was an option. You didn't even know that was a possibility. But all of a sudden, God is opening up your eyes to a new thing. Not just does the dream get birthed, but then it has to die. And I don't mean die as in the dream is dead. I mean you die to the dream. Because what happens many times is when God places something in your heart, we grab a hold of that thing and we let go of him. You can't grab hold of the dream. The dream and vision that God places in your heart is not bigger than God. It's bigger than you, but it's not bigger than God. And understand this, if you hold on to that and let go of God, you'll never see that which you hold on to. Make sense? But if you'll let go of that thing, die to self and say, you know what, I'm okay whether this happens or not, God. It's yours. You may have placed it in me. I may have had a bad burrito that day and had some funky feelings, and maybe it wasn't you. Maybe the air conditioner's blowing down my neck. I had chills on my arms. I thought it was God. It wasn't. Those things happen. The way you know that it is God is it continues to happen and it continues to grow and that burden increases and those desires increase and then all of a sudden little doors open here, little doors open there. You don't know why God's taking you left and then he's going to take you right. He's an equal opportunity God who's placed something on the inside of each one of you. What will we do with it? What will you do with what God told you, Josh, this weekend? See, what will you do with what God said to you this weekend, Annabelle. What are you going to do? It's up to you, just like it's up to me. God is pouring it out in your life. Write it down, Habakkuk 2. Habakkuk 2, 2 and 3 says, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets, that he who reads it may run with it. And he says, Though it might tarry, wait for it, for it shall surely come. It shall surely come. There's a time and a change in your life where that dream has been birthed in your heart. You have died to it and let it go and given it to God. And then he resurrects opportunity. He resurrects this dream in your life. And poof, all of a sudden, things begin to happen. 30 years it took. For Abraham and Sarah, don't tell me that five weeks is a long time to wait. Stay in his presence and let him cultivate the seed of his, of the, of his dream and vision in your life so that it grows. You don't want to be, when God takes you into this dream and this vision and this place, you don't want to be the person who has the seed scattered on the wayside. You want to be the good ground. Some days you want to, some days you don't. That's a problem. Some days you will, some days you won't. That's a problem. You got to want it and you will. I'm going after you every day, whatever it means, whatever it takes. 
I am not putting this dream or this vision in front of you, God. I'm letting go of it, and if it comes to pass, thank you, Jesus. I know it's all you, and you get the glory and the resurrection of that thing, but if it's not you, I don't want it anyway. Don't you go grabbing hold of somebody else's dream. Don't go grabbing hold of somebody else's vision. You can't reap a harvest in somebody else's field where God's favor is in another field for you. We want to reap another. He says you'll reap where you haven't planted or where you haven't sown, but you can't reap a harvest on somebody else's dream in a field where God's favor is not in it. God's favor for you is in your field, wherever that field is and whatever it is. In, in Genesis chapter 37, it talks about Joseph and the dream that he had. Now realize, Joseph went through some stuff, right? And we don't have time maybe to go back and to, to read the whole story and to look at every single thing that happened to Joseph. I'll paraphrase for you, and then we'll talk about the... Be- Actually, we can go to the beginning, and we can read just the beginning of 30, 37 in verse, in verse 3. Chapter 37, verse 3 of Genesis, it says, Now Israel loved Joseph more than all of his children. That's important. Israel loved Joseph more than all of his children because he was the son of his old age, and he gave him a tunic made of many colors. And then it goes on from there, and it says his brothers hated him because of that. They hated him because of the coat, but they also hated him more because God, because Dad loved him more than him. They wanted, they wanted that thing that he had. Listen, you don't think God didn't have a dream for the other 11 brothers? Come on. You, do you not? They were, is, this was Israel. These are the 12 tribes of Israel. And Joseph is one of them as he begins to go forward and becomes Manasseh and Ephraim. But listen, these guys, God had a dream for each one of them, and they got ticked off because they didn't like his dream. People want you to do good. They just don't want you to do too good. See, people want you to be all right. They just don't want you to be much better than them. I don't want you to be more blessed than me. Listen, blessed is blessed. And rich is rich. And rich means having everything that you have need of in your life when you need it. Just because this guy's got 100000 and this guy's got 100 bucks does not mean that they are both not blessed. One is not more blessed than the other if they're both living in the Word of God, following His will, living the dream and the vision that God gave them, and He is pouring it out in their life. He gave some five, He gave some two, and He gave some one. And He said, it was according to your ability. A little more fired up than it was first service. They didn't like him. They hated him. They threw him in a pit. They sold him into slavery. He ended up in Potiphar's house. He was falsely accused of rape by Potiphar's wife. He was thrown in jail. He was forgotten in jail. And then when he was brought out of jail, God resurrected that thing in his life. And all of a sudden, he became what that dream said in the beginning. Listen. Your dreams, they begin to take you from place to place to place to place. They're progressive. You may be here and you may be 42 years old or 62 years old or 18 years old. Listen, don't you just hang on to one dream. You trust God for the next dream, for the next vision and for the next thing that he has for your life. They're progressive in your world and they're progressive in your life. The second thing you have to understand and realize, the dream that God gives you and places in your heart, if you can do it right now, it's not probably God. The thing that you wrote down and you already know how you can get that done, that might not be big enough because God's plans, dreams, and desires for you are bigger than who you are and they're about the harvest. Well, God told me I was going to be a dentist. Yep, you're going to be a dentist. And you're going to help people with their teeth, but you're also going to bring people into the kingdom of God because that's what we're all called to do. And you doing both 
are connected by the Spirit of God. You can't be the best dentist you can be and not be the best soul winner you can be. You can't be the best soul winner you can be and not be the best dentist that you can be. Those things go hand in hand together. The third thing. People are not going to like some of the things that you say and some of the things that you tell them about your dream. Remember, people want you to do good, just not too good. People say Joseph made a mistake telling everybody his dream. I, I don't know if he did or didn't. But I do know this. Even his family turned against him because of the dream. See, even as the family, unbeknown, if they would have known what was coming all these years later and that there was going to be a famine and that Joseph had to walk this thing out to save their lives, you think they would have been ticked off and been mad. Nope. Listen, I'm telling you, God's going to put something in your heart, Addy. And it may not be for today, and it may be for 10 years from now, but there are going to be people on the other side of 10 years from now that are, that are going to be waiting for you to come through with what God's put in your heart today, this weekend, or whatever. I'm telling you. His own family turned against him. People aren't going to like it. People might come against you a little bit, but it's all right. Whose side are you on? Are you on their side or are you on God's side? The fourth thing, he was tested like crazy. As he went from the pit to the palace, he was tested. As you walk out the thing that God has put in your heart, the vision or the dream or whatever that word is that he gave you this weekend, as you walk it out in your life, know this, that you will be tested. There will be trials and tests along the way and things you're going to have to go through. But understand what a test really is. A test isn't to teach you something. A test is to see if you learned what you were supposed to learn. I taught school for a long time. I didn't give you a test over material that we hadn't covered. People are so ticked off at God because they can't pass the test that's before them. But I'm telling you, it's just like we tell them in school, right, Julia? It's not my fault. It's your fault for not studying. Don't come looking at me because you got a D. I'm telling you, it's your problem because the material's... I'm equal opportunity teacher. I'm here for everybody, and the material's been poured out to each one of you. I pour it out in a way, three, four, five, six, eight, ten different ways, so that everybody has the same opportunity to learn what I'm teaching and what I'm showing. Why? Because there's going to be a test that's going to come down the road, and you're going to have to pass it. And it's not just to teach you something. It's to see if you've learned what they taught you. And you can't go on to eighth grade unless you pass seventh. And he could have never got to the prison had he not been thrown in a pit. He could have never got to the palace if he wouldn't have been put in that house. The fifth thing. This is important for all of you, but especially young people. Joseph knew he was favored. You cannot forget that God's favor is with you. You can't forget that. It's not in a coat because they stripped the coat. They took the coat from him. His favor wasn't in his coat. His favor is in what his father said. What did his father say in verse 3? I love Joseph more than all the rest. Now, I can't probably in good conscience say that God loves Dan more than the rest of us. But I can say this, that he would, Jesus would have died on the cross for Dan if Dan was the only one that was coming and the rest of us weren't. So you make of that what it is. I believe that I'm God's favorite, that I am the apple of his eye, that everywhere I go, his favor goes before me and prepares the way and prepares the field for the seed that's going to come up for my dream and my vision, just like he is for you, for you, for you, and for you. Do you believe it? 
Do you know? Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are God's favorite? That you have his favor everywhere you go, Joe. That when you go places, doors open before you. That when you get there, people are already waiting to bless you because you're God's favorite. He's got favor on your life. And everywhere you go, you operate in it. More than enough for every good work. Now the last thing, and this is important too. Remember I told you those people are going to be mad at you not like you so much. Somebody may throw you in a pit. You may be falsely accused. Persecutions, trials, that stuff happens. You may be thrown in there. In your life, you may be saying it's getting worse and worse and worse. It's just about to get better. It can't get any worse. Well, that's a great place to be then because the only way is up. Huh? I mean, if you get forgotten in jail and, and the one dude's dead now, you got a butler and a baker and the one dude's dead. Now you only got one more shot, you're sitting in jail. I mean, it's not going to get much worse than that. Hey, let me tell you what. The king's about to have a dream, and he's about to bring you in so that you can fulfill the call and the promise that he has given you in your life. But he knew. And we have to walk this way too. He knew. He had to be forgetful to become fruitful. For all you young people who are here, don't go out holding grudges. School can be one of the roughest places for any of us teachers said amen right and principals school can be a tough place people can be cruel people can be mean but I am telling you what none of them can stop what God has put in your heart unless you begin to hold ought you begin to hold unforgiveness against them it says that he came through this thing with flying colors He had to become forgetful so that he could become fruitful. He couldn't hold it against his brothers. He couldn't hold it against his dad. He couldn't hold it against the jailers. He couldn't hold it against Potiphar's wife who falsely accused him. He had to let it all go so that he could be fruitful in the end. You got to let it all go. Then when you walked out of that place on Saturday night, man, you were a different person. Next thing that hits you, just let it go. You owe no man nothing but to love him. He had two kids, Joseph did, two boys named Manasseh and Ephraim. Those names are important. Manasseh and Ephraim. Manasseh means making forgetful, and Ephraim means fruitless, fruitful. That's what he named his two kids. I'm telling you, God has a plan and a purpose and a call and a dream for each one of your lives, from the youngest to the oldest cultivate it use it see in that in that thing it said he gave it each one according to their ability well i thought god does the work yep but you have to put it to practice and if he's given it to you you've got the ability through the grace of god that comes from the blood of jesus christ amen let's stand up god is good huh i thought i was preaching better than i got some response it's all right it's all good pretty good there I thought I'm sweating I don't know praise God I hope my heart isn't to preach good my heart my heart is that you go out and you live the dream and the version the vision and the, and the, and the purpose that God has put in your heart I, 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 you want to know my burden that's my burden I, 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 
I have a burden for hurting people. I have a burden for people living whatever country they're living in. I got a, I got a burden for all kinds of stuff. But the burden that I live with every day is how can I be a part of somebody else's life to see God's fullness, to see God's dreams and visions become manifest in their life so that they become all God created them to be. That's, that's that burden. That's that thing. That's that dream that I've been living with since I was 17 years old. 17 years I'm telling you God can put something in your heart at 17 years old that can absolutely change the direction and the purpose of your life change all of a sudden everything looked different and I, everything changed I had a heart to help people I had a heart to, to nurture people I had a heart to help people get to where they needed to be I don't care about me I don't care what happens to me knock me down throw me in boiling oil whatever I don't care this thing has to come to pass in your life today just raise your hands you're all right here together I'm telling you equal opportunity as a plan for each one of you in this place from left to right from front to back from little to big and from old to young he has a plan and he has a purpose for your life and you may know it and it may have died today is a day right now father I speak resurrection to those who have let go as the time is coming to due season that that begins to rise up on the inside that life begins to fill them that all of a sudden they see themselves as you see them and you have always seen them those of you who put things on the shelf and said I guess that's just never going to happen I'm telling you what it just might not be time yet get it back off the shelf and start cultivating it maybe you're here today and you say I don't even know what that dream is I don't even know what that vision is right now God I thank you supernaturally just like you said in Acts that you are pouring out your spirit in this place that the young women and the young men and the old men, Father, we prophesy, we see dreams, Father, we have visions. Pour it out today in this place. If you're here and you don't know Jesus, man, you are out of luck. If you're here and you don't have him as your Lord and Savior in your life, you are out of luck. I can talk about this dream and vision thing all day long, and it's what you want more than anything. But I'm telling you what, it doesn't get put into your life, and it doesn't come through your life, and it doesn't come to fruition in your life unless you have Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life. So if you're here today and you don't, I'm telling you, that's the most important thing that you can do today. Maybe you were walking with him, but you fell away, and today's the day to come back. Let me just do this. we got people still raising their hands for other stuff. Just wave to me if you, you say, man, I need Jesus in my life. Anybody at all before we take off, before we go. Praise God, we're all saved. Now, Father, I thank you today that you have sealed in our hearts the things that you have told us. If we're young people, Father, students who went to this particular event, or Father, like adults that went with them, I thank you that you've sealed that in their heart. Today, as we've heard your word, I thank you, Father, that it is sealed in our hearts, that you have a dream, you have a purpose. Father, you had an intention when you placed us in this earth. And I thank you, Father, that those who didn't know it, they begin to find out what that is. And those who know it, Father, continue to cultivate it. And those who put it on a shelf, get it back off and say, okay, God, let's go again. We thank you for your courage. We thank you for your boldness, Father. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. God is good, isn't he? Give the Lord a hand. Great stuff. We hope this message encouraged you. Victor Christian Center is passionate about sharing the love, acceptance, and forgiveness of Jesus. Learn more about us at victorylafayette.org. If you don't know Jesus or maybe you've gotten distracted and stopped following him, I'd like to pray for you right now. The most important decision you'll ever make involves accepting the love of Jesus and His gift of new life. I'd invite you to make this prayer your own and take this opportunity to begin to follow Jesus. God, I ask you to reveal yourself to me. 
I want to know you. I ask you to forgive the sin in my life that has kept me from enjoying a relationship with you. Give me a fresh start by changing my life and helping me to follow you from this point forward. I accept your love through Jesus and I commit to trust your plan for my life. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. If you've prayed this prayer for the first time, please get in touch with us and let us know. To learn more about Victory or to contact us, visit us online at victorylafayette.org.